Alexa, play Talk Radio 1080 on iHeartRadio. This is CB. It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Leach Report for a Wednesday. We have some hot, hot weather coming. Um, make sure if you're out uh, playing golf this weekend that you are adjusting accordingly. It's going to be uh, intense July heat here for the next uh, week or so in the bluegrass. But today, maybe you're at work, you're at home doing a little work from home. And we're keeping you company. And we'll do that today with our lineup of guests, which include Ken Spencer from WHAS-TV, Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws, and we'll lead off with Mike Pratt. And our Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That's private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. Cal did a Zoom conference with the media yesterday. One of the things they discussed was Olivier Saar and his request to the NCAA to get immediate eligibility to play this season at Kentucky. Cal said he's confident that Saar will win his appeal. Now, he did say that he thinks Saar's case will get red flagged because it's Kentucky, but Cal said he, he believes that would be to make sure they don't miss anything. He said he thought Saar's case would be treated like any other in terms of evaluating uh, the merits of it. Um, you, uh, If you've listened to this show, you, you know that I'm of the opinion that they're going to be over-the-top lenient in granting these eligibility waivers uh, because of our current circumstances and because of the and of the feeling that the rules are going to get changed anyway to allow a uh, automatic one-time transfer. And they're not in the past, you know, last year, two years ago, certainly, and a little bit before, I don't think Sar would have had nearly as, as good a chance as he does now. Um, so we'll just keep our fingers crossed, if you're a Kentucky fan, that it works out well for Olivier. Uh, Joey Gatewood, his decision should come. SARS would come first, I would think, because his paperwork's already been in for what Cal had said, what, two or three weeks ago, where Gatewood's is just going in this week. But they uh, expect that he would, Joey, would get uh, his word on a decision from the NCAA before the season is slated to start. Uh, Cal said all of his players are participating in voluntary workouts and conditioning. He can start working with them next week. Um, so he did this uh, Zoom conference from up at his place in uh, Jersey. So he is not um, here in Lexington right now because he can't do anything with his team. Uh, it was a long session, though, yesterday. I think he went about 45 minutes. So um, there was... Uh, those, those were the main news items that, that came out of it. Um, football, nine Wildcats named preseason All-SEC by Phil Steele's magazine. Three of them were selected for the first team. Drake Jackson and Darian Kennard from Kentucky's offensive line and punter Max Duffy, who was the best punter in the league last year. 
Second-team picks from Phil Steele. Quentin Bohanna at nose. Boogie Watson, outside linebacker and offensive lineman Landon Young. The newly married, yeah, Landon Young. And then three players were chosen for the fourth team. Josh Paschal, and I think that will prove to be uh, a case where he is underrated. But the other two were particularly interesting. Josh Ali caught the winning touchdown pass at the Belk Bowl, but uh, didn't get to make many other catches just because of the style Kentucky had to uh, adapt or adjust to last year after losing two quarterbacks. And then Kelvin Joseph, the transfer defensive back from LSU, who obviously hasn't played a down yet for Kentucky. So um, both of those guys named fourth team by Phil Steele's magazine. Um, And Ali in particular, uh, I think there's a a feeling that he's ready to have a a bit of a breakout season uh, for, uh, especially if Terry Wilson stays healthy and kind of builds on where he was at the start of last season. The SEC announced the postponement of the start of any competition for volleyball, soccer, and cross country until uh, the end of uh, August, until at least September 1st. Uh, and uh, news came out that Florida's athletics director, Scott Strickland, formerly uh, in head of uh, sports information at UK, was an assistant AD here. Scott tested positive for coronavirus last month, but has recovered. So glad to hear that he has recovered well. Uh, and he talked about it kind of from reading the story. It seemed like it kind of hit him kind of like a, a case of the flu would uh, hit you, knock you out for a couple of days um, and then takes it two or three more days to to get back to normal and that's kind of what the experience was from for Scott from what I read so glad that he has recovered one time Auburn coach Tommy Tuberville has won the U.S. Senate Republican primary in Alabama over Jeff Sessions Uh, coach Tuberville uh, had on his staff uh, 80 grand and Darren Henshaw when he was up at Cincinnati so uh, Tommy Tuberville taking the successful plunge into the political waters. Uh, from Thurbert Racing, New York Racing Association, it's not going to allow any jockeys to ship in and out of there after the recent uh, rash of positive tests for riders. From what the stories I've read, they've traced this back to uh, Los Alamitos, the track in Southern California, July 4th weekend, and uh, the jockeys, uh, almost, almost, I think all but one of the jockeys who have shown up with positive tests, all were there riding that weekend. The thing is, they went out into other parts of the country, including Keeneland. Uh, Indiana Grand had a big day of racing last week. And so uh, these guys went out to uh, ride at other tracks. And so uh, you can have uh, cases of other people getting infected, which seems to be the case with Florent Giroux. We told you about him yesterday. Uh, he did not ride out at Los Alamitos, but... Uh, you know, certainly was around the guys who some of the guys who did who came on here to Keeneland last week or were up at Belmont Park where Florin rode on Saturday. So anyway, the New York Racing Association is uh, if you're going to ride at the Saratoga meet, which starts tomorrow, a uh, lucrative meet for riders. You can't be going out to other places to take mounts and then come back into Saratoga without uh, quarantining. So. They, for instance, the big day of racing at Monmouth Park in New Jersey this weekend, where normally the top riders from New York would go down and ride those races, won't be happening this time. Our uh, Triple Crown updates uh, with news all throughout the summer here, presented this year by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. We'll get to a break. Come back. Mike Pratt will join the program. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. 
It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. And I'm going to go with Shug McGahee's horse, to Enola Gay. Of course, you know Enola Gay was, was the uh, plane that dropped uh, one of the bombs in World War II that helped us end it. Look at that. He gives you a 7-2 to two possible winner and works in a little history as well. So, walk in Marrakesh, arms, Enola Gay comes late, down to the line. Head bobbing photo for the win, three-way photo for the win. Walk in Marrakesh or arms or Enola Gay. And it was Enola Gay's nose that got down on the wire under Julian Le Peru and Mike Pratt had given you a $12.60 winner. How about you, Mike Pratt? Don't you love it, man? I, mean, <laughs> I got a day where I finally cashed some tickets. I had uh, Bruce Lungsford's horse. Oh, good. Collector, and uh, I had that and another one. And, you know, if you pick two or four, you're probably doing well. Anything above 500. Absolutely. It's a great day, right? Anything well, that was a great happen. start. I appreciate you uh, helping us out, and it was a, a great start to uh, Goose Givens. Uh, had the winner of the Ashland uh, for $10, and I think three of the other uh, four um, celebrity pickers, their horses uh, hit the board. So it was a good job. That was a good day, wasn't it? That was a it was. good day, and uh, I liked, of course, Shogi, big U.K. fan. You know Shogi. And uh, particularly football, he's really a football guy, but he likes U.K. sports from Lexington, right? Right. And uh, La Perouse, a tough guy to beat on the grass, baby. Yeah, he gave a horse a a tremendous ride. So great great pick on your part. Uh, I just see a story our friend uh, Kyle Tucker uh, is out with at The Athletic uh, about Olivier Saar and uh, his story and – that they think, according to what Kyle writes in here, they think within the next couple of weeks they'll get the word from the NCAA about the appeal for immediate eligibility. Uh, classic commenting from Mike Bray in Notre Dame, who who would be playing against, who would have his team playing against Olivier if uh, the waiver is granted, and uh, he said he should get the waiver. And uh, I think. Uh, most coaches, if not all, are, are going to uh, say that if they care about the kids. Indeed, and uh, circumstances, I think, uh, would uh, would obviously lead you to believe that's what should happen for the, the betterment of the young fella, for the betterment of the sport, for the betterment of the NCAA. Why do they want to look bad by making a decision that doesn't flow with the other decisions on transfers? I mean, the coach left. You know, I mean, that that right off the bat, unfortunately, kids go to school for coaches. Many years ago, they'd say, well, I want an education, so that's why I go to a school. But not the kids don't. But let's be honest, these guys are pretty good at recruiting, and they they, uh, develop a great relationship with these young fellas. And when somebody leaves, it it just upsets the uh, apple cart, man. But I'm going to compliment Kentucky a second here. Tom, and, and I think it came to light with what Calipari said yesterday on his uh, conference call. It, it kind of low-key this. They don't want to create any animosity uh, with the NCAA or let the NCAA think that Kentucky's forcing them. I think they've done a heck of a job up there uh, in the athletic department uh, of limiting what they were saying and how they were saying it. Now, a lot of conversations amongst us um, uh 
talking heads in, in any uh, in any arena. So um, that's okay. And Kentucky's kept themselves out of the decision, I think. And I do, I do really think, Tom, by doing that, they've really uh, helped themselves. And you would hope that you would get some would have generated some goodwill with the uh, NCAA in terms of how over the top they've been in, in cooperating on players who left here. Uh, you know, Quad A, uh, Jamal, um, et cetera, guys that uh, left Kyle Wilcher to go play other places and that uh, Cal was all in on, you know, whatever it takes, you know, you know, and not just Cal saying things, but actually Kentucky doing things, you know, whether it's, you know, letters you had to write or whatever it might be to support the case of players that won the right to be able to, like Jamal and Quade most recently, to be able to play immediately at their new schools. And so you would hope that, um, you know, that would come back around. Yes, indeed. And I think the day and age of a school blackballing a kid in in their own league or anywhere is over. And I think that if you're not cooperating, and I think the NCAA, I, I sense that they understand that too, that there has to be in certain situations. I'm not for just letting them transfer. I'm not I'm not for that. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's crazy. That's like having a waiver wire in the pros, okay? But uh, for certain situations like health of a, a mother or father or grandmother that raised you, uh, this COVID could create some situations for people. Or the firing of the coach is the most natural if well, you want to look at it realistically. That's the one because uh, you, uh, your position is, I think, probably a, a, a lot of coaches, um, or a significant number anyway, feel that way, that they are not in favor of uh, the automatic uh, one-time, you know, uh, transfer you know just complete free agency if you will but i think even i'm guessing you would and other coaches would uh as well if not 100 percent, pretty close to it support an immediate eligibility if a coach leaves or gets fired i don't see how any coach would oppose that because they know why kids go to school or or not why but a, a primary influence on why kids choose a school primary influence is the coaching staff and how they've been recruited, the ability that the coaching staff has made to communicate with this young fellow. So if you don't recognize that, you know, there's something wrong with you. That's uh, You're just not paying attention. Let's talk about something else because um, players, uh, Cal noted next week, I think he can start uh, working with players. Uh, they can do, I think, maybe four hours uh, of some instruction during the uh, during a, uh, a week, I think it is. Um, and he can have a little more contact with his team starting next week, even within the bubble that they have created there at, at UK. It's the same for for other coaches too. And for all players, it's it's a real challenge now because there is you know, certainly a possibility that this thing could get postponed until uh, starting after the first of the year. There's you know talk about that because of the the pandemic. So from a player standpoint, it it you you um, you can try to make yourself uh, be this single minded. You're preparing as if the season is starting on schedule, but you still you know I would think it's hard to not to tune out everything else and not see some of those discussions about possible delays. So the point being is that it, got t- it takes a lot of self discipline uh, to stay focused when there's some doubt about when your season might start. Right? 
No question. Uh, anxiety, um, doubt, whatever you want to use. Um, the other thing is to beat the repetition of what they, they have been doing, which is all good. You need a change in, in your, in your game plan, in your practice. And Calipari and his staff now have a different voice in a different position. Position is on the floor, not in, in Zoom, okay? So the presence of the coaching staff, I think, will help change a lot of uh, people that uh, or players that kind of go like, "Hey, I'm tired of this. Let's let's get down to some more brass tacks, right?" And, and then you can go back to doing those other things. It kind of breaks the monotony because with all the conversation comes monotony for these guys. They're in the bubble. They're trying to do it the right way, and uh, it you know, gives them a little change. Gives them a little encourages them for whatever may lie ahead. And as a player, you love to play the games, competition, whether it's the actual games or even just being able to, you know, scrimmage in practice, play pickup. And so that's going to be interesting if uh, if they let them have, you know, wh- when does that happen? Do they, Are they able to play, you know, in uh, three-on-three, five-on-five? And if so, you know, if, if you have a positive test or two comes up do you have to shut that part of it down and just be individual so that's going to be potentially could be a challenge too yeah there's going to be bumps in the road until they get a vaccine we can all count on and it's in mass production there's going to be bumps in the road i think that's what a, a lot of people in college sports are afraid of is the bumps in the road will stop something like a football schedule or a basketball schedule and really um you know mess it up but uh these kids and you listen to Calipari talking, these kids talking, and the coaches too. They want to be coached. They want to get better. And that's why they're going to college. Um, they need those coaches to help them get better, to iron out some things, and to, to lead them. And to do that, I mean, you can do it on Zoom, okay? But you need, you need to uh, have some personal uh, mask, mask to mask conversation, right? <laughs> uh, Mike? Got to so, got to run. Uh, thank you for the time, as always. Good pick on Enola Gay. We'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye. Got to get to a quick break. We'll come back in just a moment on the Leach Report Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Second half of our Wednesday show, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Chris Fisher from CatsPaws.com. Uh, Chris, your take on uh, what you heard from Cal yesterday? Uh, I think my biggest takeaway was uh, the fact that he felt confident about Olivier Sars' uh, waiver request. I think, you know, that's unquestionably one of the biggest off-season storylines in in all of college basketball. I mean, you're talking about taking a, a Kentucky team that's you know potentially top 15, top 20 to a team that's a legitimate contender for for a national championship. So obviously, that's a, a very very important uh, storyline as far as as Kentucky is concerned. And uh, you know, I think we've seen significant mile markers along the way over the last couple of months, and I don't recall. Maybe there have been, but uh, any waiver requests, at least high-profile ones, that have been denied by the NCAA uh, to this point over the last couple of months. So uh, when you look at you know a guy like JT Daniels transferring from USC to uh, 
to, to Georgia and being declared immediately eligible. I think that would bode well, not only for, for Olivier Saar, but even for, you know, a guy like Joey Gatewood as well. I, I remember a, a quote from Dr. Capaluda, who's in, uh, char, who's in, in the rotation of, of people who are in charge of committees. He's, uh, over a very important one in the NCAA right now. And I remember a quote from him where he said, you know, let's, as we go through any decisions, let's make sure, you know, if we, if we err, we err on the side of the student. And I just think there's that mindset given our current times that it's like, okay, there, but, you know, the, the stress that that creates, et cetera, that they're going to, uh, be over the top, uh, lenient in, in things like this. Yeah, I agree. And, and even with, you know, the extended withdrawal deadline for the NBA draft, I still think Olivier Sar still has a really, really good case to, to gain eligibility. And there's, like you said, there's so much uncertainty surrounding the college basketball season and, and even outside of, of college basketball that, that you're right. It, it's, it's prudent to, to err on the side of, of the student athlete. And so, uh, well, uh, you know, but it's, it's the NCAA, you know, so and we all know, you know, we know all too well how that can go sometimes. And it is Kentucky and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Kentucky is, is wisely. It's, it's been a, its approach has been not to take anything for granted in the, the discussion that you and I are having right now and not to, um, be in any hurry. You, you know, the season's a long way off, to make sure you get everything in order, you get uh, you, don't, you don't want to give them any reason to uh, say, "Well, if you had done this, we might have looked at it differently," etc. So they were, you know, very particular. Same thing I think you're seeing with Joey Gatewood. You know, his is uh, things, uh, request is just going in this week. There's a lot of paperwork to jump through, and it's like I think the 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 feeling is let's just uh, get this done. Whatever it takes, every time pieces of paper you have to fill out, if you get frustrated, don't show it, etc. And then um, uh, understand that uh, there's, you know, everybody's in a hurry for an answer, but you don't have to know until the games start. Right, and and when you look at it, there's a, there's been a lot of support in the public domain for Olivier Saar to receive a, uh, a transfer waiver. I mean, you look at you know, Dick Vitale has been very outspoken about it. Jimmy Dykes, Paul Biancardi, Seth Greenberg, those guys at ESPN, uh, Steve Forbes uh, at Wake Forest has said that he would support uh, the transfer as well. And then you look at what, uh, how supportive that John Calipari has been of his transfers, Johnny Juzang, immediately eligible at UCLA, Jamal Baker immediately eligible at Arizona. So I do think all of those things uh, also uh, tend to help Kentucky's case. I remember, uh, uh, you can be guilty of trying to read too many things into uh, situations, but nevertheless, I remember doing a a tour down at the Cape Canaveral one time, and they were talking about um, all the different, you know, all different, all 50 states were you know had some thing that they had contributed to this operation and um and i, I think i asked the tour guy the questions like doesn't that make it a little you know um less efficient to uh, sometimes to have to go to that many different places like well every state has senators and representatives that are voting on the funding for nasa and <laughs> point being here is like uh, i think 
uh, the NCAA is going to be uh, probably extra lenient on things because every state has schools who might have players who are seeking transfers, and you're asking uh, the legislators to help you with uh, name, image, and likeness, etc. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a unique time, and like I said, inside and outside of, of college basketball, and, and you know, with the image and likeness and those types of things also up in the air right now, it feels like the NCAA needs about as much goodwill as they could possibly yeah. get, and then sometimes I wonder whether you know that dynamic will uh, you know will tend to help athletes uh, like like in this instance. Little uh, couple of recruiting things. Do you think with the the current situation of the world, the pandemic, etc., that it's going to f- cause players that are making recruiting decisions to um, perhaps wait longer? Uh, even though you know a guy who's going to commit now to a school isn't going to play until you know another season down the road, but still, do you think do you do you get a sense that that's causing any delay in decision making? You know, I think it can cut both ways. I, I think you're going to see uh, potentially a number of top prospects make decisions this summer. Um, just based on the schools that you know they've already visited, and I think Kentucky's been a little uh, lucky in that regard. You know they've laid the groundwork with uh, a number of their top targets in the 2021 class, and have been able to get those guys on campus early in the process. But I also think you're going to see a number of guys that may have decided in the fall and went ahead and signed during the early period to hold off. Uh, until late in the spring and kind of, you know, see where things go, see how things play out, keep their options open. But uh, I do think you're going to see a, a potentially a number of guys uh, make decisions sooner rather than later. Uh, we're talking with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. If you go to the site, one of the stories you'll see is uh, Chris's um, write-up of the nine Wildcats who were picked to fill Steele's preseason all-SEC team. Didn't have any particular complaint with uh, the the guys and where they were replaced. I think Josh Pascoe can end up higher than a fourth teamer, but um, I can understand uh, that if you look at production, maybe you 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 want to see more uh, production before you you say that if you're the person assessing this for the magazine. But one guy I did think it got overlooked was Yusef Corker in the secondary. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. He had a, a really good season last year. I think he led the team in, in, in total tackles and really physical, hard-hitting uh, safety. And my main takeaway from these preseason All-SEC teams, and you see uh, you know, nine uh, players on Field Seals preseason All-SEC. I think there were nine on Aslons as well. Is Just the amount of quality depth across the board that Kentucky has developed over the years. And obviously that starts in in recruiting, but uh, Kentucky's had sustained recruiting success under Mark Stoops. And as we've seen them win more games, we've seen them build upon uh, that success in the recruiting arena. And so uh, to have, you know, three guys named preseason first team all SEC, I think that that speaks volumes about, uh, the state of, of Mark Stoops' program and, and the direction that it's heading. Very true. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thanks, Tom. Chris Fisher from Cat's Paws. We'll take a quick break. Kent Spencer next up. It's the Leach Report Radio Network.
Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com online. We bring on Kent Spencer from WHAS-TV. If you follow uh, Kent on Twitter, you see the running account of taking care of the kiddos without summer camps and summer sports. Uh, we're into day 87, right, Kent? Well, yes, today will be day 88. Yesterday was day 87. So... Um, it's it's intense, but I, I know this. Sometimes you got to go to some old staples uh, <laughs> when you have important stuff to do during the day, like yesterday during John Calipari's video conference. Uh, the movie Cars and Lightning McQueen came in real handy. <laughs> do you have a go to in in important moments, stressful moments? Is it is it a movie? Is it uh, something else? Yeah, it's always it, it's it's always a movie during things that may take a while. So and it and it always see here's what when you have a ten year old a seven year old and a two year old you better make sure the two year old is satisfied everybody else can find you know ways to to, to play or to do things <laughs> silently but that two year old better be taken care of so every movie or every TV show has to revolve around what he wants in that moment my uh, my son in particular was into movies when he was young and I, I think I can still quote dialogue from his. Uh, favorite uh, three movie rotation of Lion King, Space Jam, and Fox and the Hound. <laughs> <laughs> that was way back. I, yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I'm definitely digging. I'm definitely digging uh, Lion King and Space Jam. <laughs> uh, they, weren't they were, we were supposed to be working on another Space Jam with LeBron. I don't know whatever happened to that. I think he, he was wearing a hat, so. Um, they may have been shooting it before everything. I'm sure everything got shut down with on movie sets and, and whatnot. I mean, who knows? But um, you know, maybe maybe in the future something something else will come out. I'll, I'm I'll always be a big fan of the original. What's your uh, optimism level about the start of college football season? Uh, it's not great, um, especially. You know, I, I think that here's what I think. In my opinion, especially. You know, obviously the the SEC and ACC, you know, they're going to decide here in a few weeks what they're going to do with the season. And I think so much depends on, on what the numbers are doing. You know, if if you're trending in the right direction, you know, like if you look at the states, um, so you know, like if you look at Kentucky and the, and the way that we've handled this, when things were trending in the right direction, that's when things started to open up and that's when things started to ease up. Um you know, with the numbers not trending in the right direction right now, especially in some of those, you know, big hot spots down south, um, I don't see how you can play college football. I don't see how, um, you know, you can do a lot of those things. So um, as far as having, you know, people in the stands, and I know the stands wouldn't be packed, and, and there's going to be probably a, a certain percentage and all this other stuff. But, man, that's just a, those are big places to gather. Um and that's big places for, you know, it's like a, it'd be like a big old COVID spread. So uh, right now it's not great, but, you know, it wasn't great there for a little bit. And then all of a sudden things started looking better and I started feeling better. So, you know, for me, I'm just a numbers guy. When the numbers are getting better, I'll feel better. Uh, but I do think, you know, with, with programs right now, like Kentucky, I'm doing a great job. 
you know, after they after they were tested for it, you know, what was it, 108 football players, 58 staff members all tested negative for it. I think that's great. I think that's great news. So I think you know, um, Kentucky is is doing its job. You know, from everything they hear, the University of Louisville here in town, they're doing their job. Um, so I think those things are. I think those things are fantastic. Uh, but Mitch Barnhart said it best. Tom, there's a difference between you know. Um, you know, return to activity and return to play. And when you get guys and you have to tackle people and, you know, uh, from different walks of the, of, of the country, even if it's conference only, it's just a, it's a different beast. And, you know, that's, that's a risk that everybody's going to have to be willing to take at some point. I, I think with anything where you're talking about health and medicine, uh, it operates uh, very logically usually. Um, and it's how doctors determine, you know, what what uh, diseases, uh, what, what a disease a person might have as they kind of go through, okay, it's not this, it's not this, et cetera. Um, it looks like to me, I saw a quote from the Notre Dame AD yesterday, and one of the things he said was that they hope to gain some insight from what, uh, how it goes for Major League Baseball and the NBA. Um, well, and that makes sense um, for to observe some other team sports. You had a team sport that started up there in, in Louisville, where you're at last week with Louisville FC, the soccer match. But if you're looking to gain some insight from MLB and, and NBA, baseball starts a week from Friday, and the NBA's the end of the next week. So to gain any insight, you're talking about probably, what, middle of August to give it a couple of weeks uh, to see how it goes. And you should be practicing football by then, if you're going to be starting a season on Labor Day weekend. So it just seems inevitable that what what's coming at the end of July is that we're going to, everybody's going to go to the power fives will go to conference only because that gives them the ultimate flexibility. And then I think they'll, they'll do more pushing the start of the season back. They'll try that before they'll immediately defer to uh, spring start. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and, and look, if we're being if we're being honest about everything, and I think that that you have seen some people in in the college world and even athletics kind of admit this, right? If this was all about like, okay, what's the logical thing to do? What's the the healthy safe? You know, it's probably not to play. But you know, another thing is these games. TV revenue, ticket revenue, all this stuff. I mean, they control so much for college athletic departments. They control so much for, um, you know, the, the colleges and, and universities in general that, you know, they're, they're, you have to – they are trying to manage, yeah, we want to be safe, but they're also – they're trying to kind of manage the risk and reward to all this. And that's, yeah. a, that's a really tough spot to be in because, let's be yes, honest, Football and men's basketball, they rule the world in college athletics as far as financially providing for the rest of the department. Kent, appreciate the time as always. Uh, good luck on uh, day 88. We're going to bake today. We're, do- we're bake? baking today, Tom. Oh, yeah. what, what are we baking? Uh, we, have, we have got a recipe to substitute, you know, those uh, Reese, Reese Cup eggs that you would get like around Easter time? Right. We got a little recipe for that, so we're going to try it out. So please for me. That, uh, we will do that. That that sounds like a bold venture, but go big I'm or go a, home, I'm I guess. A, I'm a griller, not a baker. 
That seems like that should be on a T-shirt. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> Ken Spencer from WHAS-TV. We'll be right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. Question from uh, a listener, Steve, uh, regular listener and emailer. How much pressure is there going to be on Len Bowden, or how much will he feel uh, playing this season in the NFL with his first chance at uh, big money? And he notes that uh, Len has a young son. I'm sure you know any uh, athlete that, especially if you have a, a young family, uh, you're going to feel a little bit of that. But I don't think they're really affected by it. I mean, guys that uh, achieve at that level. In um, in sports, uh, thrive. I think most for the most part on on pressure. It uh, it drives them, and so I, I think uh, Lynn will will be just fine in that regard. I look for him to have a great first year if we hopefully get to have uh, sports uh, throughout all the professional and college ranks. And uh, I think um, he. I'm really eager to see how it goes with him trying the Raiders, trying him out at running back. Because when they say that, I think he's going to be a you know a Darren Sproles type of guy where, yeah, he's listed as a running back, but basically they're throwing him the ball a lot. And they're just trying to put him at running back to get him the ball in, uh, in different ways. Uh, I think it's a creative approach, and um, I am optimistic it's going to work well for Lynn and that he could uh, – he could be a you know a breakout kind of guy even in his first year doing it that way. Keep our fingers crossed for him. We're going to get to our final uh, close here. We'll see you tomorrow. Peter Burns was slated to be with us today. I think we'll have Peter from the SEC Network tomorrow Thanks along with Justin Rowland. To the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on The Leach Report.